Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 20th of November, 2023. Flyers coming off a fifth straight win with a 5-2 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Bill Meltzer going to join us in just a moment. And Travis Konechny, conversation with TK after the game. He notched his 11th goal. Flyers Daily presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. 5-2 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Boy, it's been a heck of a week for the Philadelphia Flyers as this five-game win streak has come against some vastly different opponents. It started back on November 10th, a 6-3 win over Anaheim on the road. It continued November 11th with a 4-2 win over the Los Angeles Kings. Then it went to Carolina on the road, 3-1 win there. Vegas on Saturday, a 4-3 overtime win against the Cup champs. And no letdown for the Flyers. They didn't take the opponent despite the fact that Columbus came into the game uh, losers of seven straight, now eight straight, uh, and they controlled the game pretty much through its entirety against Columbus. It got a little close a couple of times, didn't feel firmly in grasp going into the third period, but the Flyers get the only two third period goals, and they come away with the 5-2 win. Joel Farabee, backhander, beats Spencer Martin to open the scoring just 5-11 in. Ryan Paling and Cam York pick up the assist, and those assists, along with all the assists that happened in the game helps donate food to local communities in need. The Flyers and the Penn Medicine Assist. Now, for every Flyers assist this season, Penn Medicine and the Flyers are donating 30 pounds of food to local communities in need. So Ryan Paling, Cam York, thank you. Great job. Joel Faraby, one nothing Flyers. 15-02, Alexander Texier picks up the uh, goal to get the game tied at 1. And then 1-11 into the second period. We saw two power play goals against Vegas on Saturday to end that drought of 0 for 26. How about another one uh, in the game against Columbus, 111 into the second period in just 10 seconds into the power play. Bobby Brink comes back in the lineup. Boom, power play goal right along the ice, his fourth of the season. Walker and Farabee pick up the assist. Then Ryan Paling, shorthanded goal uh, to give the Flyers a 3-1 lead at 641. That's their fifth Shorthanded goal of the season, which leads the NHL. Garnet Hathaway and Sean Walker pick up the assist. But Walker's just piling up points. Then Boone Jenner gets the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets within one with his eighth of the season at 17.57. And then into the third period, Flyers up a goal. Travis Konechny, what a savvy 200 IQ play. He gets the puck in the offensive zone, and he's kind of all by himself. And he's just kind of along the goal line on the right side. And he kind of fakes like he's waiting on the trailer, another one of his forwards, to enter the zone. Only thing is, there was no forward entering the zone. But he convinced Spencer Martin, the Columbus Blue Jacket goaltender, there was, and got him leaning a little bit. And then he goes, short side, bar down, absolute snipe, his 11th goal of the year. 4-2 Flyers, and then Cam York, he called bank. A banked 200-foot empty net goal. For the 5-2 win for the Flyers, Ryan Paling picks up an assist there as well. Multi-point performances out of Paling, out of York, out of Farabee, out of Walker. Uh, good night for the Flyers as they beat Columbus 5-2. Let's get to one of the goal scorers right now. He scored his 11th goal of the game. I had a chance to catch up with Flyers forward Travis Konechny after the 5-2 win. Flyers post came with uh, Flyers forward Travis Konechny. He picked up his 11th goal in the third period. TK, five straight. Got to feel good right now the way you guys are running. 
yeah, I mean, it feels good. And I think the biggest thing is we're not even paying attention to that. It's just come to the rink and play the same way every single night, be difficult to play against. And we're not looking at like winning games. We're looking at giving yourself a chance every night and just, just play right way and play hard. Is that just kind of you guys controlling what you can control and make dictating the terms on the ice more than react? Exactly. That's it. It's just everyone's playing the same way. Whenever you go over the boards, you know, your teammates and your line mates are going to be on the same page and, um, you know, proud of the guys right now. We're playing well. I've heard a lot from your head coach, John Tortorella, about the room. I talked to Carter yesterday after the Vegas game and talked about how together the room is. What's been different there? I mean, I, I don't know. Again, it's uh, it's just a fun group right now, and everyone's buying in and playing uh, playing hard for each other, and um, you know, it's a good feeling in there. TK, you've been through some adversity this year as well. You guys must have handled that well because you came out on the other side of it in the right way. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Like I said, every single night you show up, same game plan. We don't care about other teams. It's about our game and playing the right way and, and uh, worrying about ourselves. 11 goals at this point in the season. Uh, you are feeling it offensively, and that hasn't waned at all, has it? I'm, I'm just honestly just trying to play the right way. And, uh, you know, I got one late there. But, um, you know, I was just, you know, everyone's chipping in and buying in, doing the right things. And I, I was just trying to get through that game with, uh, you know, playing the right way. And if, if a chance came my way, I was going to try to get one there. Great way to start the holiday week. TK, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks. Boy, TK sounded like a very mature pro saying all the right things, controlling what we do, not worrying about the opposition, uh, taking care of business and being a collective team thing, not thinking going out there and playing instinctually. The Flyers are doing all those things uh, en route to this five-game win streak, and they'll look to continue it coming up on Wednesday when they go to the uh, New York to take on the New York Islanders, then back Friday to take on the New York Rangers for the Black Friday game, then back to New York on uh, Saturday to take on the Islanders once again. So let's get to the week that was, good week, and a week that will be with our Monday Insider. He joins us every Monday. It's Mondays with Meltzer. Read his work at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer who joins us now. Bill, how are you? Everybody seems to be doing good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it it's... You know, when you when you're winning, uh, it's fun coming to the rink on in any capacity. You know, it's uh, and uh, you know the the Flyers are consistently playing from ahead. They've been getting good goaltending. Um, last couple of games, the special teams even have been you know the, the power even the power play side's been been clicking. So it's uh, you know all is well right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. You get two power play goals against the Vegas Golden Knights. Then you get another one against the Columbus Blue Jackets. You get a shorty in there as well. Um, yep. Let's start with the Columbus game, Bill, because that's what took place last night. And, you know, I thought this game was a, a slippery game in a way because you've come off four straight wins, a highly uh, emotional, you know, big game against the Stanley Cup champs in Vegas, looking to avenge that loss out in Vegas a little while back. And they came in and Columbus is not a very good team, but they didn't treat them like they were a bad team and they took care of business. No, for sure. And, and, you know, and you, you know, you said it was a slippery game it was a slippery game in another way too, because there was a, a lot of room to make plays, a lot of mm -hmm. opportunities, particularly early in the game, but Columbus is hanging around, you know, it's uh, every time you go by two Columbus would draw back within one. Um, Besides the shorthanded goal, I thought the the penalty kill in general was a momentum creator for the Flyers. Yeah. They would they would stop a, a power play cold and 
and uh, the momentum would st- any momentum that Columbus had would stall for a while, and the Flyers would take control again for a while. But you know, you're only up by one going into the third, and suddenly you're you're a bounce away. But it, and there was never any kind of a sense of being in trouble in the game. Just you know, just uh, Columbus Columbus is still hanging around. It, it, it's you know, by no means is a blowout. So you know, on the positive side, that keeps you focused. It, it keeps you with your foot in the gas pedal and going forward. And, uh, you know, in the third period of the year, there weren't a lot of shots on goal really for, for either team, but the, the Flyers made the most of theirs. They had, well, first they had the breakaway by Tippett and then they had the, the sniper goal, gorgeous goal by, uh, oh. by I think he pulled a, a little star Wars weekend Jedi mind trick yeah. on, uh, on the goaltender because he acted like there was, you know, late players coming to join him as he was kind of standing there by himself yeah. on the right side. And then, you know, I think he convinced Spencer Martin that was the case and got him leaning a little bit, and then he just beat him. Yeah, <laughs> that was that. That, that was IQ sweet. play. Yeah, that was a that, that was tremendous. I mean, he he sized up the whole situation, and then you said, I mean, he had him leaning and he put it just in a perfect spot too. That was that was an unstoppable shot once once he let go of it, and that was uh, you know, and then and then from there you get the empty netter, and and you end up with the. Uh, yeah, you know, with the the five two outcome, but it was it was closer than that. So it was a it was, it was a good win. You beat a team that you're supposed to to beat, mm-hmm. um, but you didn't cut any corners, and and you get goals from different sources. And you know Sam Merson didn't see a, a ton of shots, but he was tested a few times when when a goal against might have might have really hurt. Yeah, and uh, he, he he passed the tests. You know that, that he had to. And I said it was a, it was a solid win. It was it was a deserved win, and and uh, you know obviously five in a row. But uh, to beat a series of good teams, to go into kind of a trap game, and and take care of business, that's nice to see too. Well, he made an unbelievable left shoulder save in the second period, yeah. lunging and taking some ice when he did it. Um, Bill, let me ask you about Ryan Paling. You know, we didn't know a whole lot about him. He's a former first round pick. He's got size. He can skate. He's kind of been in you know, a role player in the NHL. Sometimes you think first round pick, oh, that's that guy's supposed to at least give you 50 points a year. That's not the case, but um, he's come in and despite being scratched on a couple of occasions, really been a business-like player. Just kind of comes in, does his thing. He's not flashy, does the little things right. And, he, you know, he's a guy that, you know, showing some offense to his game, gets a shorthanded goal, uh, gets an assist in the game. What have you seen out of Paling this year? What have you learned about him? Uh, I mean, he's a decent size, um, very, you know, a, a good skater, defensively responsible. Um, I still think in the long haul, truthfully, I think his home is a fourth line. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he had, you know, he had some, he had occasional looks a little higher in the lineup before, um, you know, when he was with Montreal, I remember he had a hat trick in his first NHL game. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I, I I think that um, well I think there there's some upside there. And usually if you're 24, 25 on your third organization and you weren't tendered, and you and you are a guy with a good attitude and good size and can skate, usually it's because there isn't there isn't that extra level creativity. As you said, he's very meat and potatoes in his game. Yeah. But but all that being said, that's not said by way of criticism. I think I think he's a good role player, and um, you know, and right right at least right now. You know, he, he's potted a couple goals uh, and a pretty pretty nice one the other night. Um, yeah, this one was a two on zero, and he he finished it. He found a way to get in the net. So, 
um, you know, so, you know, um, towards push the right button on it. And, and um, you know, and at least at least for now, that's the right move. You know, that being said, though, I'd really like to see Noah Cates move back up in the lineup again. I don't want him on, on the fourth line too long. I think he's too important to the team's future. And, you know, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather have Cates ultimately play more minutes than, than Pally. But right now it's working. Yeah, it's one of the things I'm going to ask John Tortorella about on uh, this week's Hockey and Hounds is, you know, what is he seeing from Cates? We know that development, getting to the NHL, and when you get to the NHL is not this linear line that goes yeah. straight up. And Noah Cates is going to have to find some adjustment into his game. Um, you know, if you want to get more offense from him, him being on the fourth line is probably not the place Agreed. to make that flourish. Agreed. Agreed. And, and, you know, I mean, Noah had a couple of games in there the, the week that they played Carolina here, uh, played the back-to-back against Buffalo. You could see Cates was pressing. It's not like Cates to lose an assignment or to turn pucks over. Yeah. And a couple of games in a row, we actually had kind of costly turnovers because he's trying to do too much. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't think I don't think it's the end, you know, I don't think it's a the wrong decision to move him down briefly to the fourth line, kind of reset. Yeah, and, and he, he quickly he quickly righted the ship in, in terms of the other stuff. You know, he's um too too smart of a player, too too reliable of a player for that to have gone on for very long. But uh right now he does he doesn't look close to breaking loose offensively, even if you move him back up again. So I I'd I'd like to see that worked on. Um you know, Paling Paling's a guy in a one-year contract, and I, in the long term, you know, maybe he learns, ends up being more than a one-year guy, but maybe he doesn't. But yeah. I think Cates is a guy who's going to be here for a while. So, you know. yeah, and, and you know, Noah Cates is going to be a player that's going to work his butt off through yeah, anything sure. as well, for sure. Uh, but one thing that John Tortorella ha- mentioned a lot last year, we've heard him talk about it this year. He talked about it the other day, was the locker room. And in talking to several players, Carter after the Vegas game, TK after the game against Columbus, and players are citing the difference in the room and how together the team is. Um, you know, that takes time to happen organically and grow. Is that part of what we're seeing in this team's performance on the ice? Because, like I asked Carter, I said, you know, you got to have a team that's together. And he said, it's the most important thing in team sports. If you don't have that, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. For, for are we seeing this, lead, you know, kind of core kind of really grab it i i think there's definitely a piece to that um you, know, you go in the, the flyers had a a series of games where they got into the third period really in with the, uh, with an opportunity to win or at least come away with points and you the flyers weren't winning those games you know and, and most of them ended up being regulation losses um in vegas and carolina in particular yeah the, yeah, Vegas, they were, what, 33 seconds from at least one point. And, yeah. and, and Carolina, they the Flyers dominated that third period. And um, you, you come away with a, with a last-minute loss on, you know, one mistake, really. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that tests the team. And you go then you go into San Jose, and they lose that game, and you're two games under hockey 500. You're not winning games. And that's really – that's really – not, you know, really a, a risk of things going off the rails. You know, you play Anaheim, but then, you know, but then you get a, a series of tough games in succession in LA on, on the back end of a back-to-back, you know, you, then you're, you're in Carolina and um, then the defending Stanley Cup champions come to town. And, you know, if you, 
it, you know, if you, if you don't get wins in those games, all of a sudden you're you're you know, you're in a cavernous hole already at that point because you're you know you're you're sunk already, kind of. You know, so but they didn't do that. They 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 went out, uh, you know, after after losing the the first game in that road trip and made a successful road trip out of it. And yeah, you know, they they found ways to win. Um, you, know, you go and you play LA, a deep team, a big team, a heavy team. You know, and and they're they're a team that likes to throw a lot of rubber at the net, and you know, you're and they they do that. You know, the the neutral zone four check. They have the one two two, and they're kind of hard to, to navigate. So you have to be really patient, and they did that. And yeah. and Carolina for the last three years has been the best puck possession team in the NHL. So you're you're probably going to be at a the disadvantage against them. And they were, but you got great goaltending, and you play from ahead. You scored early. You're opportunistic, and uh, and then you know, and then the Flyers had a two game stretch there between. Carolina and the uh, the Vegas game was it fifty four block shots between the two games? Yeah, that's insane. So you know, just just paying a price to win, uh, bending but not breaking, and then again you you play from you know, well play from ahead. Uh, Vegas will come back. You you know stuck with stuck with the program, and you find a way to win in overtime. That, that's all tested the character of a room as much yeah. as as much as ability on the ice. And they're passing that test. So I think I think there is that element for sure. But let me ask you about the fact that this team has scored 25 first-period goals so far this season. Last year, they scored 59 in 82 games. Mm-hmm. And it took until December 30th for them to get to 25 first-period goals last year. Yeah, They're at 25. They're leading the NHL. They're 10-1 when they score first. You know, for years, years, I feel like it's been a decade. Yeah, We go – this team never comes out of the room ready to tear the door yeah. off and play and, and play with a lead. All of a sudden this year, their team scoring first, then putting themselves not in the position to not chase games. I mean, the fact that they're leading in any offensive category, if you'd have told me that before, if I'd have told you that before the season, you would have me committed. Hmm. How the is. hell is this happening? Yeah. Uh, it, it comes out they, they're playing fast. They, they establish a four check. Right off the bat, um, you know the we, we've said many times that the uh, the puck moves faster. Than anybody can skate. They're moving the puck up well. Yeah, and um, you know they they've been opportunistic. The transition game is so much better. Breaking up breaking up plays, uh, you know, from the whether it's the red line or, or your own blue line, and now all of a sudden you're going the other way with momentum. You're dealing with short ice. And you know they they score, yeah, you know, because they, they're not they're not scoring a ton of uh, deflection goals. The kind of you know we have, we have to scratch out gritty kind of goals. They've scored a lot of really nice ones too. Yeah. So you know, which which means that you know you can further improve those other areas too. But um, you know they're 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 earning their goals. They are they're um, outworking teams to the puck. Um, they're making plays. Um, winning 50-50 pucks and all of a sudden the puck goes out in front or, or whatever the whatever the case might be, you know, they they've been they've been able to capitalize. And you you just say the record, you know, they they've only lost one game when scoring first. And by the same token, you know, one thing they're gonna be tested on and as they continue to go forward is okay, if you don't score first, you know, how how do you do in those games? Because when you look at the teams that are 
that are playoff teams or the teams that are the Flyers will ultimately be chasing, if not this year, then down the line. Those teams have winning records too, even even when not scoring first. Yeah. So that's uh, you know those, those those are all things for to, to strive for. You know the crazy part about it is is like that Joel Farabee goal that opened the scoring against yeah. Columbus. Like I see that goal and you go, that's a you know a, a really unfortunate turnover in the neutral zone from Columbus, and you get a little bit of puck luck on where it goes, and Farabee gets it in stride and and, and scores the goal off his backhand. But I also look at it and go, you kind of create that when you're as aggressive as you are in the right. neutral zone. And I want to talk about Travis Sanheim. We've talked about him a lot, but I thought in the Columbus game, he was incredibly aggressive yes. to a point. I mean, in the first, I, I remember in the first intermission with Brian Smith, I said, he went beast mode as he's going up the ice. Guys are bumping off him and hanging on him. And he's just boom, plowing up the right side. And I'm going, who the heck is this guy? He looked like Marshawn Lynch. Poof, going up the he, ice and he, we never saw this before no he sure did i mean one thing he was always good at sometimes when he's going well would be like joining the play as a trailer yeah but he's <laughs> actually he's actually taking the puck up ice even even if he just gets it to the blue line and dumps it in the rest of the way he's not, he wasn't going to be denied to do that and um yeah he's been that's one of the ways he's, he's been he's been a force there there's been a whole other level to his game so far this year. And, and it's been, I don't think you can overestimate what it's meant to the, you know, to the team and to the blue line as a whole. Yeah. I mean, he's producing on the power play. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's been unbelievable. This transformation year to year um, to the player that he is now. I mean, obviously he's bigger and stronger, but what it's done to him mentally is yeah. astounding to me. Um, Bill Morgan Frost was scratched uh, to make way for Bobby Brink. Uh, Frost did have the four points in a couple of games prior, but he finds himself back on the shelf again. Um, how does this situation play out? Because, you know, he's not getting a lot of rope. He didn't have a great game against Vegas. No, no, no. It did come in, in a win, though. We know coaches don't like to make changes. I know they wanted to get Brink back in, but this is, um, you know, turning in, turning into a bigger situation than maybe we thought it would. Yeah, I, I think in all 100% honesty, there's a bit of a double standard here, you know, um, because he did have points in three straight games, four points in, in the three games, as you said. Uh, the standard was, you know, uh, well, he needs to produce points or ch- at least a lot of chances to stay in the lineup. Um, and, and he did that. And I agree with you. He had actually, I thought, a pretty bad game um, uh, against Vegas. You know, he uh, had a couple turnovers. He took a bad penalty. He had a tough day on faceoffs. Um, it was one game where I didn't think he was creating very much. You know, in the, the Carolina game, he had that nice little touch pass to tip it for the for the game's first goal and and created three other chances during the game. Vegas, he didn't really create anything. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, he blocked four shots. And, you know, towards his mantra, which he said over and over and over again, well, if you're not going to produce offense, contribute in other ways. I thought that was an example of, he had nothing going offensively, blocks four shots in a game you win, you know, um, and saying that you weren't anxious to change the lineup. And the only message to me that that senses, sends is if you have a bad game, you're out. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I, I so, you know, I mean, the, I, I think there have been guys who've had bad weeks, a couple, offensively. You know, nobody's just been just, I mean, there have been no passengers, including Frost. But, you know, no, nobody's just been a, a total zero on the ice. But there have been guys who've 
struggled and what they're supposed to be curious, you know, like, uh, and I'm not in favor of scratching, you know, Cates as an example, but I mean, Cates has been way off his game for a while, yeah. you know, um, you know, but there, there's no, there, you know, I, I sometimes I think George would rather cut his right hand off than, than to Cates for any reason. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that, that Frost can't sit an occasional game, but I, but I do think as with, as of scratching him for six after after two two games into the season, you know, I I, I think that it, I I don't know I I'm not a fan of it. I think as people know, but but ultimately, you know, ultimately it, it's up to Torts to manage the personnel, to push the right buttons. And listen, you you, you can't complain when uh, Brink comes back in the lineup and scores a power play goal for you, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and Paling moves up in the lineup and. Helen gets a couple goals for you, including including a shorthanded goal. So you know it's uh, it's up to the coach to make those decisions, and you know they they've been working. He pushes the right buttons more more often than not, you know. And so ultimately, you know, uh, ultimately, I think that that's what you have to go by the bottom line. I think the the interesting thing to me is, you know, the human element of this. Frost is a creative playmaker, yeah. and coming in and out of the lineup like that will sometimes handcuff you to being a creative well, playmaker. Which for is- sure, for sure. And, and you know, Torza said, well, when Bobby gets in the lineup or, you know, Frost or whoever, I don't want guys afraid to make a mistake. But yeah. you create that scenario where the guy is always looking over his shoulder, afraid to make a mistake and more likely to play conservatively. And make if a mistake. You turn a pucks, if you turn a couple pucks over and you're out the next night, it's yeah. I just I don't I don't I don't like it. I, I think that uh, I I think there's room in the lineup for both of those players. Um, you know I, I you know like I'll, I'll give you an example oh, another quick example and you know and, and I, I've been saying that, that that Tyson Forster had all kinds of scoring chances, so he deserved to stay in the lineup. Mm-hmm. But he has one goal through 16 games. Ultimately, he's a guy you need goals from. I mean, he's yeah. he's not he's not in the NHL to be a checker. He's in the NHL to, you know, to, to be a point producer. Um, he he scored a, a goal last game. You know, again, it was nice. Pressures off his shoulders. You know, was in the right place at the right time. A puck bounces off the end boards out to him. Scores. You know, good stuff. And hopefully, he builds off of it. But you know, but but uh, last night now uh, against Columbus, he had one shot attempt. You know that, that that's not good enough. He yeah. he has to be better than that. Um, and I, I think you know, Brink sits for three. Um, you know, is there? I, I just I, sometimes sometimes I think that Torts doesn't like smallish playmaking types. He he didn't really like Zuccarello in New York. Mm-hmm. You know, I just um, you know some guys are Torts kind of players that some guys aren't. Yep. I I, I think uh, you know I, maybe we just have different tastes in players. I don't know. But uh, I, you know, I, I think sometimes he's a little too quick on the hook on some guys and a little slow on the hook for others. That's it. Bill, what does the team do if Stahl and Ristolainen are due to come back this week? I thought we'd probably see Stahl last night. We yeah. didn't. Yeah. We got this decor. I thought Nick Steeler played a great game again last night. I mean, this guy, um, there was just no expectations when he became yeah. a flyer out of Minnesota. But, um, you know, what do they do here? I, I imagine, first and foremost, Belpedio gets sent back down. Yeah. You don't want to move Travis. I'm not moving Travis Sanheim off the right oh. side. No, no, no. I'm not messing. No, with he, he has, he stay on that side of the ice. Yeah, and, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and, and and keep keep developing York too. 
Yep. I, I mean, I, so. I guess you put Ristolainen on the third pair. You shelter him a little bit because he hasn't played at all this year. No. Uh, you put him with a rotation of Sealer and Zamula, and then you put Stahl with Walker on the second pair. Is that is that kind of what you do here? Right right now, I like how Sealer's playing a lot. So you know? do I. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I my feeling is that what happens. And, uh, you know, listen, he, he was just benched for the third period, and he's been scratched several times this year. I think Zamula comes out, whether, yeah. you know, um, and there's still inconsistency in his game, but but his good games and his good plays have been really good. Yeah, you know, and you know, it's, so there's, there's a little bit of that push pull. I'm not I'm not in favor necessarily, of, you know, sitting him a bunch, but I think that's what I think what happens at least first is Stahl comes in, plays most of the time, and I, th- I think that's at least for a little while your third pairing, uh, yeah. Stahl and Ristolainen, and then then as you need to tweak and adjust, you know. Um, Whistle Lion is the guy who's used to playing 20 minutes a night or 20, 20 or more minutes a night most of his career. Um, you know, he didn't get off to the best start with Torts last year, but they, but uh, Whistle Lion kind of simplified his game and you know, he had a pretty darn good year, you know, in yeah. a, a down season for the team. He kind of found, an, uh, found a way for him to play that was effective. So I, I, but I, I think that uh, ultimately they may move them, but but right now Steelers, Steelers earned those minutes. Um, so I, I think that you just kind of tweak the third pairing a little bit, and then I do think uh, Belpedio goes down, but with a big hey, you know, when, when we have injuries, or whatever, you come right back up again. Oh, he's, yeah. done a, he's done a nice job. Yeah, he's made a good account of himself. I, I mean, I think I think sometimes coaches go, okay, uh, you know, I want to have the full complement, everybody healthy, but maybe not right now. <laughs> we're rolling good here like don't yeah. put me to this decision now and the thing i wonder about ristolainen is as you mentioned you know there was a lot of battles to get him where he got to last year and he had a really good year and he wasn't overrunning plays playing good positional hockey inside the dots yeah. you know towing that line of being you know a feared player but not one that's gonna do it at you know the team's peril I wonder, do we have to go through that process again to get right. him back there? Or was that last year enough to ingrain him that he's going to come back with the player he eventually evolved into last year? Yeah, I mean, he didn't didn't really – he had a – I think he had a, a little bit of preseason action, but didn't have really have a camp or a preseason that was interrupted with injury. And, yeah. you know, and apparently, you know, apparently some of this goes back to the summertime. So he didn't have a normal summer training schedule. Uh, I, I think that there might be some rough patches early on to yeah. kind of get him back to where he was last year. Um, you know, hopefully it doesn't take too, too long. But um, but I think, yeah, I think there's going to be – I think sometimes when the guy has a, a – not to say totally a breakthrough season, but a season where, you know, he tweaks some things. Um, and I think there's sometimes a tendency to, to fall back on familiar habits – yeah. I guess you would say at first. So that that's that's going to be that's going to be a challenge when he gets back. You know, I, 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 you know. he had a hockey epiphany. Bet yeah. you didn't think you'd hear that word. In this there episode. we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, Bill, great stuff. We'll read your stuff at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, and we will talk to everybody tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.